Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Edie Israel with Coa Banker in Yorba Linda, California. Last year, she closed 64 transactions with a total sales volume of $44 million. Her average sales price was $698,000, of which 30% were buyers and 70% were sellers. She has a four-member team, three partners, and one licensed assistant. Edie Israel is the team leader of the Edie Israel team. She's been an agent for 12 years. In her best year, 2013, she sold 68 homes worth $49 million. In this call, Edie talks about how she got a fast start and sold 23 homes her first year by working with a relocation director and working at the local Costco Roadshow. How she moved into luxury home sales by targeting neighborhoods she likes. Selling a $5 million home how to find luxury clients, and how she found her first high-end client, her luxury broker package, how to put on a successful broker preview for industry participants, expanding her market, reputation, and reach through geographic farming and direct mail by starting with a 1,000 home farm and growing to 60,000 homes per month that's resulting in a 4-to-1 ROI. What a direct mail piece looks like. How to get and use Zillow testimonials to improve your internet reputation. Her annual marketing plan for past clients and sphere of influence. What she says when she calls her past clients. How to work with your spouse. Team dynamics, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Edie. Thank you, Mike. I'm so glad to be here with you. Hey, Edie. It's great to have you here. Edie, before we talk about what you're doing today, Let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I've been in real estate now about 12 years, and prior to real estate, my academic background was in science. I have a a bachelor's in science and a master's in nutrition and biochemistry, and I started out briefly as a registered dietitian, and so that skill set, you know, is science, detail, you know, and working with the public. And uh, shortly after that, I went into medical sales, working my way up to a national accounts manager. So I have a long-term history of working with the public in customer service and sales. And so got into real estate when we moved about 12 years ago from Colorado into Southern California. What made you decide to go into real estate? Well, I stayed home for a few years taking care of my daughter, and moving into California is rather expensive and knew that I 
needed to go back to work and I wanted to, I wanted, I was getting antsy and ready to get back into uh, some kind of a professional um, environment. And with my previous job, I was traveling, you know, 150 to 200,000 miles a year and didn't want to do that. And then had the opportunity, of course, moving from Colorado to California to sell a house and buy a house. And I had very, very good agents on both ends of the transaction, but it just got me thinking that even though I had a very good experience, there's a lot more that could be done that would have made my transition easier and just a little less um, scary and and a lot more comforting. So when I looked around what my options were professionally, I just was convinced that I could come up with a real estate business and a service component that didn't exist. So got my license and got busy. When you first got started, did you have a fast start or a slow start? You know, I had a fast start. And the reason I believe that happened is in the end of the day, we're in sales. And that's what my background was. And to me, sales is if you're selling something to somebody, you're doing them a favor. So I'm really enjoying that process. So I had the background, not only in that, but in business. So while I was studying for my license and taking my license and waiting to get my license, I was already starting to um, build some of the components that we needed to be successful, such as getting a business plan together, getting a website together, understanding a little bit of the inventory, you know, what, what what's out there inventory-wise, you know, getting headshots done, business cards developed, understanding the paperwork. So by the time I got my license, I was ready to prospect and legitimately prospect. And so the first year, I believe we did 23 transactions the first year. You mentioned prospecting. What type of prospecting were you doing? I didn't know too many people because we just moved out here, but I did identify who I knew. And I also at that time went to the relocation director who was just a lovely lady and they normally take agents who are more experienced but I convinced her that I had plenty so I did get relocation clients and then of course subsequent referrals from that also at that time they had the Costco Roadshow so once or twice a month I set up in Costco and I always got at least one client I think my first year, 10 of those clients were from the Costco Roadshow, and I started advertising, print advertising, and I was in the office all the time. I worked a lot, so if there was somebody that needed help and the manager was there and I was there, I got the deal. So I would say a combination of networking with some, some opportunities that, that exist for every agent and, and putting in enormous hours. You've been in the business for 12 years now. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year, I believe our count was 70 homes. I guess that includes leases and sales, and the volume was about $45 million. Do you recall what your GCI was last year? It was just under a million, about a million dollars in GCIs. How many homes did you sell in your best year, and what year was that? Well, this will be our best year. Every year we've managed, no matter what the market is, to, to do either a lot better or a little better, but always better. So this year, 
we're having a very strong fourth quarter, so we may very well finish 80 homes and probably 52, 53 million, and with a GCI predicted at 1.1. Where is Yorba Linda, California? Yorba Linda is the home of the Nixon Library, if that gives some reference. It's in Orange County, North Orange County, so inland from the beach. Surrounding cities would be Anaheim. In fact, we can hear the fireworks from Disneyland every night. And so we know when 9.30 happens every night. We are about 20, I would say without traffic, about 25-minute drive to Newport Beach, which is a common you know, geographical area people are familiar with. Yorba Linda has about 65,000 residents. Their tagline is the land of gracious living. The city prides itself on having kind of a rural feel. So when you're here, you see there are homes that are built by developers, such as Toll Brothers and MBK, but there's also a fair amount of properties that have been here for, you know, for a very long time with large lots, and we have a strong equestrian community as well. I call it the jewel of North Orange County. It's a lovely place to, to live, and it's a lovely place to work. The clients are so nice to work with. Tell us a little more about the current market. Average price is about seven twenty-five, and there's it's a it's a good market. I'd say it's more of a normal market right now. Earlier this year, it was more of a seller's market than a buyer's market. But at this juncture, there's very it's a good number of buyers, very qualified buyers looking for homes. But we have noticed that they're and understandably so are wanting to have as many of their top, you know, preferences as possible. So it's taken a while for them to select a home. So it's, I think, a more normal market, even buyers and sellers. Rates are great, so I think that is definitely driving the buyers. Average days on market is, you know, our team's average days on market for the last two or three years has been 39 days. There's always aberrations to that within the market, but we have pretty good velocity. We do business in about 22 cities a year, but your Belinda is where we live and work, so I would say we have more business here than any other place. But, you know, the other thing that drives buyers to our city is that we have a, a, a very, very strong school system. If you go on to websites such as goodschools.com, many of our schools are 10 out of 10, which is very unusual. So folks who are looking for an excellent educational system for their kids come here, and it definitely impacts to the good the housing market. We're continuing to take listings even into fourth quarter now, which I'm very grateful for. You have a relatively high average sales price compared to other agents around the nation. Do you consider yourself a luxury home agent? Yes, I do. But I also consider myself an agent for anybody that's, that wants to work with us that we would like to work with. Um, if you only do luxury homes, you know, markets come and go. And so it's important to have a lot of different uh, fishing lines in the water, so to speak, so that no matter what the market is, we're going to be we're going to be good. It's just kind of like um, Nordstrom, for example. They have their Couture line, and they also have, you know, nice quality products, less expensive. However, if you ask the industry, I'm known that people say, well, you only sell fancy houses. We have a wonderful luxury home package for listing homes that we apply to all of our listings, but we are very comfortable and 
are blessed with a good number of homes that are over a million dollars, which is where we in our market would consider a home luxury home. You're selling a wide swath of the market. You do sell luxury homes. You're also selling middle range homes. I assume some entry level homes. Let's talk about the luxury homes for a few minutes. You described a luxury home in your market as being above a million dollars. Any other characteristics of how you would describe a luxury home in your area? True luxury should have a, a pool. It should either be newer or highly up, highly upgraded and consistently upgraded. A view would really put knock it out of the park. And there's just certain areas where these homes exist, and we we do have name brand recognition, um, you know, through our marketing and through our social contacts in these homes. Did you position yourself as a luxury agent, and if so, how? We have done that, and the way we have done that is to promote some of our higher-end services, such as we do have a very, very good designer, and we offer her services prior to listing and, of course, even as a part of the interview process to convey to them how their home could be elevated even further and also to cater to the you know, the, the, the media, the photography, and the social media that makes such a difference. Also, our our print marketing that we show when we're talking to folks with the luxury home, we show them the, the type of marketing that we do, not only our print marketing and our fantastic photography, but with Cobble Banker, there's specific portals that promote the luxury market, and it is very effective in, in uh, doing so. You mentioned a minute ago a luxury home package for listings. Is that what you're describing, a higher quality photography, social media, print marketing, and portals? Is is that part of this luxury home package? Correct. We really use the same photographer and stager for everyone, but we have examples of how we have been able to make a expensive home look even better and photograph it even better. And we, we tend to do more of a higher-end brochure, a four- to eight-page piece that goes out to potential move-up buyers and other high-end agents. And also, the package would also include a, bro- a special broker preview that would cater to the agents who are most likely to have a clientele that would be interested in purchasing these homes. So those are some of the distinctives of our luxury package. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. You said the high-end brochure, you'd send that out to potential move-up buyers. What do you mean by that? Do you have a database of buyers, or are you sending it into neighborhoods that might be stepping up into that higher-priced area? Well, we start with any home that's been on the market, that is on the market, any homeowner who has their house in the market that could be a move-up buyer. For example, if the house is $1.5 million, then we'll send it to anybody whose house is listed on the market from 700 to a million because they're looking for homes in that category more than likely. Also, we have our own database of folks who have talked to us over the years they have said, you know, if you ever see anything with a, like, for example, I would like a pool and a view, and I would like to have an outdoor kitchen and a casita. You know, if we have that, we have that, we have, we have a database to that effect. And also, we have a database of the agents who have a track record of 
being very productive in the high-end market. And we send send out our our package to them as well. I mean, the assumption is that everything is seen on the MLS, but folks, um, including myself, are bombarded with information such as email blasts and and texts and so forth. So sometimes print is just a very effective way of getting the message across and um, making an impression, the right impression. I like that idea of looking into your current sellers on the MLS, and it sounded like you were looking in a price range maybe 50% below where you're currently at. That must be the normal step up. Correct. Absolutely correct. And and it works. We do quite a few open houses. Um, they're very effective. And I try to ask in a uh, roundabout way, so how did you happen to come see us today? And that is often the case. Well, I got your mailing. You put together a database of luxury agents. It sounds like you're mailing out to those folks. We mail out. And then if we've had a, a, a good relationship or we know them, I'll call them and just say, who do you have that might want to buy a home like this? Or did you see this home on the market? And, you know, again, agents are very busy and, and it's hard to stay focused on uh, every single client. So it's my job to maybe jog their memory on somebody. And and also, if we're going to have an open house, just have your clients come by. We respect your, respect your agency and we'd love to see them. So we do have some tremendous open houses just because of all these different efforts that we do. And it, and we also explain that to our clients as we're uh, hopefully, we're interviewing to hopefully be hired, is that there's not an assumption being made that, oh, you put it on the MLS and, you know, put it on Facebook and everyone will see it. That can be the case, but there's many other ways you can do it as well that are more personable and capture the attention of that extra margin of, that makes it more successful. You mentioned also a broker preview. What is that and how do you do it? Well, each city does have a broker preview, but we also will do a special event and we will make it open to the public, but also invite specific agents or anybody who wants to come, of course, but we really want to target certain agents that we believe may have a buyer that would um, like to purchase our listing. On top of that, I mean, think about how many lenders have their clients pre-qualified and they're more than welcome to take a look at the house and then go back to the agent that they're working with on this particular client and say, hey, did you see this house? So your broker preview is basically an open house for agents, lenders, and other industry professionals. Correct, including title officers as well, because they're a great resource. They go office to office, and if I want something promoted, I'll give them a few brochures and say, would you please talk to some of the agents that you run into and see what they have? And it gives them an added value or a good reason to go talk to the agents in other offices. So it works very well. Edie, you said that the luxury home market there starts at a million plus. Do you recall what is the most expensive home you've sold? I believe it's just around $5 million so far. For the folks listening who are thinking about going into the luxury home market, how do you find clients? How do you find luxury home clients? 
Well, first of all, you identify the area that you would like to work in that you feel would be the luxury neighborhood or area that you want to work in. Also, you have to integrate yourself into the community, whether it's social events. I do an event at um, our local country club every year and invite the very folks that I want to meet to these events and we promote our business and we have a good speaker and we have door prizes and we have a real fun event. The name of the game is to get to know people. I mean, direct mail is very powerful. I should say still, I think it's more powerful than it ever has been. So put a business plan together, identify your market, do a direct mail campaign, do an event for those folks, find out what kind of charities or organizations tend to be predominant in those areas, Identify what schools those clients' kids' children go to and and do a fundraiser there, sponsor a spelling bee or sponsor a 5K race that they're doing. In one case, we sponsored the um, construction of a swing set in the school area. One time we sponsored, um, for every household, we would donate a laptop to the school. So you have to become part of the community, even if you don't live there, you have to show that you're willing to give back and get name recognition. Do you recall how you personally got your first luxury home listing? I do. It was a lady who did contact our relocation. I was a brand new agent. She contacted our relocation company because she wanted an agent. She had relocation benefits through her husband. She met with me and she met with another agent and it was kind of funny. She had lavender cabinets. She had lavender shoes and clearly she liked lavender. So I sent her a thank you note on lavender paper and I sent her lavender flowers and I just kind of kept that going. And so I was by far the most inexperienced agent that was being considered and she insisted on me and that was it was because I I have made the effort to relate to her and and you know talk about what she liked which was lavender it's the funniest thing but that was it and you know that was that was about 12 years ago and since then we have sold her daughter's condo and she calls me every year we Facebook, and we're still in contact. But she was my start. You mentioned direct mail is a way to, to start working in these markets. I believe you do a lot of geographic farming. When you say direct mail, are you talking about your geographic farming campaign? I am. I've done direct mail, just the typical just listed, just sold sort of typical postcards. However, about three years ago, I decided that I was going to go big in terms of the number of postcards we send out and also go big in size. We go eight and a half by 11, very nice quality with a message on the front and then a message on the back, of course. The front is more of a tagline message and the back is more substantive in terms of something we've sold or the kind of services we have. And so what we do now is I would say we send we send a postcard monthly to about 90% of the residents in your Belinda. 
So it's a big investment, but it has paid off because we have extremely good brand recognition and we get calls from homeowners throughout the city, not just one particular area. This next year, I am targeting a couple specific areas where I'm going to be more marketing-wise. The message is going to be very much to their neighborhood specific and more frequent to try that as well. But uh, we have benefited greatly from our direct mail campaign. And of course, we use the EDDM, Every Door Mail Direct program, which greatly reduces the cost of mailing the postcards. How big is this farm? How many households do you have in your farm? 60,000. 60,000. Wow, that is a lot of properties, a lot of homes to be mailing out to you. You said 90% of the market. You weren't kidding. I know. I'm I'm going to look at it again. Maybe it's too much, but it's working. And the funny thing is when a postcard goes out, people, I'll be getting my nails done, for example, and people will have brought it in a nail salon. And so I can tell when it dropped not only because it's in my mailbox, but it's all over the nail salon. It's at restaurants. People bring them in and leave it. So it kind of papers the city whenever one drops. So we're making the money we would like to make, and we're getting the calls we would like to have. So it definitely is working. Are you mailing this just to homeowners, or are you also sending it out to businesses? I'm just doing it to homeowners, but like to say, they bring it to the salon to read while they're getting their nails done, and they're on the front reception table, they're in the back, they're on people's stations. It's kind of interesting. I just have noticed that. I, I appreciate it. I find it kind of amusing, too. So. <laughs> and you said you've been doing that for three years. Three years. I assume you didn't start your farm at 60,000. When you first started your farm, what area did you pick? Why did you pick it? And how big was it? Okay. So initially I picked one area that has 300 homes and they're, they're definitely in the higher end of the market. And then I picked another, probably about a thousand altogether. Um, so I picked three different areas. One more, one is more central in the city, and I picked them based on, not on turnover, but whether I like the houses or not, and whether I think I like the people that live there. It really wasn't, I think, you know, turnover comes and goes, but, you know, there's, there's turnover everywhere. So I just picked what I wanted to do. I was very consistent, though, with it. Whatever we do, we're extremely consistent. How often did you mail then, and how often are you mailing today? I was doing on a smaller basis twice a month, and on a larger basis, I'm doing it once a month. However, if I have a new listing, there's three postcards that go out uh, reflecting that properly on a just listed in escrow and just sold. So every listing does get three postcards, and we mail it out to between three and 500 homes that are um, single family. You know, I mean, I've tried to trying to make sure it's like-to-like in terms of what's going out. So we do that as well. So you started at about 1,000 homes. You built up to 60. What kind of incremental jumps were you making? You started at 1,000. Did you go to 2,000 or did you jump up to 5,000? How did you make those jumps? 
three years ago, I just decided to, to, to do EDDM all over the city, and that's what I've been doing. Just go all in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. That's great. So you went from basically 1,000 to 60,000. Yes. Wow, that, that is a big commitment. And you must be getting a return on it because you've been doing it for three years. Correct. And it's interesting because when I come into an appointment, I see my latest postcard right there. Twice a year this year, we've done a four-page, which lists the houses we've sold. Like in January, we did one which listed on the, there's a front cover and then the inside shows all the houses we did in 2000. 14, for example, and then we did a really neat geographical Google map of everything we've done career-wise in Anaheim Hills and Yorba Linda, which are adjacent communities, and on the back, we advertised some of the services we provided, and I had several calls. I did that in January, and I had several calls where they're like, it's so funny, I was going to call you, and there you were right on my mailbox, so... Considering that every transaction is worth a lot of money, to factor in the advertising, is it, it, it definitely pays off. When you mail out these 60,000 postcards each month, are they exactly the same postcard that goes out to all 60,000? Yeah, they are. And what I try to do is come up with something that... I mean, I, this last year, I'll back up. This last year, I tried... I thought about being a little bit more specific and having three or four different postcards based on the community. I just never got around to it, quite frankly. So I still have hope of doing that. But, um, for example, I'm looking at one right now, and the front says, and it's a big red box, it says, in the last five months, we have averaged a sale every four days. Turn over and see of, of what we've sold in the last five months. And so you turn it over, and there are little boxes with all the houses we've sold in the last five months, which was 30 homes. It's a map of the area with all these little boxes all over it showing proof of what you've done. Yeah, little, little pictures of the houses, of 30 houses. So, and we picked the ones that, I mean, somebody can find their house somewhere or their area somewhere. So that's a universal kind of a message. Another one that I have right in front of me, I used some of the Zillow testimonials and the front says, why do our clients love us? And then in the back it says, let them tell you for themselves. And you know, you have those little bubbles like peanut cartoons. So we just put several of those from our online testimonials and sent that out. So that has a universal appeal as well. But the most important thing is just to be consistent. On those postcards, what type of call to action do you have? Do you ask them to call you on the phone or go to the website? Are they going to get something specific such as a free list of homes or a free market evaluation? What type of call to action do you have on the card? Several things. I have one is a landing page. What is your home really worth? And it's uh, com. So I get leads off of that. I do have our website, which is it's a curator website. It's been very effective. And also, I have a little emblem that says, check out our Rezilla reviews. So I have several little, several things that, that folks can do, and I'm trying to get better and better at 
providing multiple avenues for folks to check in with us on different bases. But the landing page associated with the website has been very good for them to check out their home values. We just developed an app, so I'm trying to figure out how to do a postcard on that, which of course goes online as well. But we have an app that folks, clients can look at if they're buying or they can look at if they're selling to see what the home values are worth and the the information is very accurate. Anything I can do to create a communication with somebody, get the phone to ring or get them to email or get them to text when we've got we've got them. It sounds like you are targeting these postcards mainly towards sellers. You're offering free market analysis and you're sending them over to your website to let them find out the valuation of their home and I assume also then to collect some of their contact information. And that seems to be the main focus. You're getting some ancillary stuff, but it doesn't sound like you have a call to action specifically for, say, a buyer. Is that true? More so, yes. And that's why we developed the app because I think that will create more buyer opportunities. Most of our buyers come from uh, referrals from past clients and also let's say a, a decent number of our sellers are buyers as well. And that's where we get our buyers from. We have very good retention. If they're selling and buying and if it's within a reasonable geographic area, we represent them as well. So that's really where the most of our buyers come from. On the card, do you use any type of slogans or positioning statements that say you're the expert in your Belinda? Well, at this juncture, we are the number one listing agent, actually number one volume agent in your Belinda. But, you know, people know that we are. I mean, I just, we get calls where it's like, I'm not going to talk to anybody. We know you're the expert. And so our tagline is driven to deliver. And our mission statement is that our goal and passion is to deliver value to others' lives by delivering leadership and results to the real estate process of our clients. And so we're very passionate about providing the service to make a difference in their lives. And I think that the main thing that a real estate agent does is provide leadership. So to your point, when when we say in the last five months, we've averaged a sale every four days, I think that speaks for itself. On this postcard, does it have your picture or your team's picture? How are you branding yourself so folks know it's coming from you? Just like on our website, it has a it has a picture of myself and my two business partners, the three of us. And we've had that similar, you know, we've updated it over the years, but we've had that similar look and feel since we started together 12 years ago. We're happy, we're friendly, we're you know, kind of hugging each other. And it just shows that when you work with us, we're happy, we're friendly, we like each other. And it has a good, has a friendly, approachable feel. And it's on our website and it's on our print. And we also do a half a page in the paper every week. It's there. When I say, you know, when I talk to somebody and they say, they'd like to meet with me, I always say, can I bring one of the boys? Oh, yeah, we want, we expect to see one of them. Absolutely. It's a family affair to us, and we try to make it a family affair with them. You mentioned it's a family affair. You have partners. Who are the boys? Well, one of them is my husband, John, and the other one is Jim Allen. 
we have an S Corp together. Jim is a, a third owner of, of, of our business, and our business is called Praxis 3, which um, the word Praxis means the integration of practice and beliefs. So that's that's what we call ourselves. So we have a S Corp, and I get a, just a regular paycheck. So is Jim, and so does John, and then we have a full-time assistant who's licensed and does uh, the, you know a lot of the uh, administrative work for our team. We have a second one coming on January. All of us just work for the corporation. We can be very efficient in the field, John, Jim, and I, as long as the office is being handled correctly. And there's a lot of work. And when I say cor- the office, of course, you have your typical origination of contracts and transaction coordination work. On top of that, you know, scheduling of showings. And on top of that, coordination of marketing. Um, marketing is flying fast and furiously in our company, both on uh, the print, but we also do Facebook and, you know, email blasts. And so I have kind of a monthly schedule of everything that happens. You know, we also do community involvement events that require administrative work as well. So if that is handled well, myself, John, and Jim can simply focus on taking care of our clients and transactional work, then we're good. You know, we're, we're good. Let's finish what we were talking about with the farming and the direct mail. You're sending out 60,000 pieces a month. People listening are going to have the question, how much does that cost? I think it's about 10000 a month. My husband does the uh, finances, and but I think that's about right. Wow, that sounds really low to me. <laughs> I know. That sounds like a really good deal. Uh, it is. It 60,000 pieces a month for 10,000. We shop pretty carefully, and sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but that's kind of the average of what I've seen over the years when we look at our P&Ls. The farming effort that you're sending out these postcards, what percentage of your business is coming from that effort? I wish I knew which part of marketing worked and what didn't because it would save me half of my marketing budget. However, I'd say that every listing that we have taken has received our postcards over these years, and I'd say it is a factor on 100% of our deals. By the virtue of the fact that when I show up to the house, there's usually a printed piece sitting there, and I don't think they're being you know, obvious about it. It's just there. Or I've had clients, I'll try to find out how we, how we made the connection. And it's often the comment is, well, I've watched your marketing over the years and you seem to have a higher level of marketing than some of the agents that are in the community or it's a little more sophisticated or the messaging is very good. Uh, we really try to make sure that it is, it is clean, crisp, very, very professional and we give a lot of thought to the messaging. I think the the payoff is, I would say, with our sellers, 100%. I mean, 100%. Let's go back. You said that you started this campaign up, this heavy farming campaign, about three years ago. Yeah. Did your volume, did your production jump from three years ago? For instance, what was your production four years ago? Four years ago, we were doing about 40, it's about 40 deals a year. So it's gone up, well, maybe almost double now. Just about double. Think of it. 
Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. So it's possible that this farming campaign doubled your volume, added another 40 transactions, and in your market, that's a lot of sales volume, maybe 30 million. Right. So it really has uh, increased the volume quite a bit, if, as long as nothing else has changed. And I guess we'll need to identify that. But I guess that's a way for us to see that it worked. Well, the other thing, too, is if you think about four or five years ago, a lot of our business, I mean, we never stopped doing, never had our eye off the ball of regular traditional real estate transactions, but we did have a an REO division at that time, as you can appreciate, and that has gone, and we were probably doing from that division about 20 transactions, but, you know, you can't, you can't count on that. So our traditional equity real estate business has, I would say about doubled since we started doing the direct mail. And I'll tell you what triggered it for me if you'd like to know personally. I would. I lost both of my parents in 2013. And so I decided that I was just going to go whole hog and just, you know, I was miserable. So I thought I'm just going to really push my business and go as big as I can go. And that's what I did. And that's what triggered it. Did it help to dive into your business like that? Yes, absolutely. It's no fun staying home, um, grieving. I didn't feel any better. So I thought, well, I'm just you know, going to go to work. I'm going to be brave about it. So I got my marketing guy in and we mapped out the city. And I said, there's a few things I thought, well, I probably don't want to work, work there. But I mean, everything else looks good. Let's just do it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I have to stop. You know? <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> so that's kind of the, that's kind of what triggered it is I just it was a tough tough year and I thought, eh, we're just gonna we're just gonna go whole hog in the business and and uh, it's made it's definitely made a mark for itself. I mean, uh, no nobody does not know us. Nobody. It's a, it's a little weird because I'm just me and uh, you know when I'm. You know, I, I, but you know, professionally speaking, you know, everybody know every. It's kind of like I look at it like, um, like Betty Crocker. It's just that lady on the box, you know. So that's what the marketing is. I think we can, at least I can, and you can tell me if there are other factors I'm not considering. But it appears to me that I can kind of put my arms around this a little bit. It appears that you basically almost doubled your production. You're almost a, a million GCI. So let's say you've added 500,000 500, in GCI and it's costing you about 120,000 a year uh, to send out those postcards. So you're making about four to one on your money. I think it's a great deal. I agree with you. And, and we don't know where it's going to go, meaning that my vision was always that if someone wakes up and decides I'm going to need to move, and that happens whether it's a health change, a marriage change, a financial change, a job change. I mean, there are many people who, you know, would have said two months ago, I didn't know I was moving. 
So when they think I have to move, I want them to go, I have to move, I need to call Edie. That's the goal. I mean, just that simple. That's the message I'm trying to, trying to accomplish. And it appears that you are. You've mentioned that's a high-quality product. Are you using these certain colors? Do you have a certain color theme that you're using? Yeah, our colors, you know, and they're reflected on our website, are kind of a cranberry color and a, a green that's a little on the olive side. Those are the two colors. So I do a big, a big block, and I'm very consistent with our colors and our, and our font size and our font usage as well. So the front always has a big, like I'm looking at one right now that has a big red block, and then in the white, in the center it says, you know, that we've closed average sale every four days. There's always kind of a message. Another one says, I'm looking at right now, it says we sell more because we do more. More was our kind of message this last year. We do more. We do more this. We do more that. I'm working on another campaign for this coming up year, and the the tag, the word is going to be consistent because we are so, so consistent. And I think with the market going forward where, you know, we'll probably have some increased interest rates, probably increased values, an aging population, they're going to want consistency. So that's who, that's how we're going to convey ourselves next year. So I'm already thinking ahead and working on next year. Do you plan on doubling up on your mailing into your farm? For instance, you said in the past you were sending twice a month. Now you're sending once a month. Do you intend on increasing the number of pieces that you send out from 60 to 120,000 per month, say? Have you thought about that? And is that something you're moving towards? I've thought about it. I don't think so. What I want to do next is I want to do more demographic farming rather than geographical farming. So I'm working on databases that are targeting um, the senior market. I think that's going to be a wonder. That is a great market, and I would like more of that. So I'm working on messaging and and marketing when, uh, to that market. And when I say that, I mean folks who've owned their home for 25 or 30 years, they're going to make a move, right? At some point. Yeah, soon. And also we naturally get quite a bit of, I'm looking at what we naturally get business from on B2B, business-to-business referrals. So I'm instead of adding more of what we're already doing, I want to tailor it a little bit more to uh, the senior market and the trust probate piece because we already get some of that. So I need, but I don't even know the attorneys that refer me. So I need to get to know them better and get more. So I'm going to do more of that to have some business-to-business automatic professional referrals in a higher quantity is my next step. I think we're good with where we are with our print. You mentioned that you're using some Zillow testimonials. Tell us how Zillow testimonials have helped your business. How did you get them? What are you doing with them? I think like many agents are paying a certain amount of money to Zillow for enhancing their listings and at least showing up as an agent in uh, certain zip codes. And I'm not really loving it, but, you know, you have to do it. So we were spending a small amount of money, 300-something a month. So, I, you know, I get the call, you know, would you like to buy this territory or add more into your current zip code? And it's like, you know, I really don't see it working for us at this level. So, I mean, how much money is it going to take for it to work? 
And they were kind enough to come out and visit with me, and I really appreciated it. The rep at the time said, you know, you're right. You're spending enough money. Why don't you get your testimonials on Zillow? Because, you know, you do ask for referrals, and you get them in note cards, and you get them in, you know, various pieces of paper. And it's hard, you know, you bring in a notebook to your potential listing appointments, but I mean, how do you reach out to people who don't know you and are shopping? It's kind of like Yelp, right? And so I said, okay, we're going to, we're going to this year, we're going to go from zero to 40 testimonials. And that was 2015. So Jim has been awesome with when we do close a, a home, we send them a link and make it easy for them to do an endorsement. You have to put them somewhere, so you might as well put them at Zillow. There's, they're juried. They're, you can't make them up. We ask for it, and then we thank them with a $5 Starbucks card, and they love it. In fact, one time a gal who could certainly afford her own coffee didn't get her card, so we, we delivered it. And that has generated business. For example, I have a listing coming up. Um, we have a listing that's going to market in a few weeks, and the daughter lives in the Midwest, and her parents are going to move closer to them, and so she needed to find an agent, and she went on Zillow, and we were, our te- it, it's not that our rankings, we're not paying that much to them, really, but when you're looking for testimonials, we have more than most, and they're, they're good testimonials, and so that initiated the call. And I've had that over and over again the last few months because we're getting to kind of a a number of testimonials that seem to matter, and we're going to get more. We're going to do another 40 this next year. It was a focused effort for you to take the testimonials. As you mentioned, they were kind of scattered and in different parts and different places and different mediums and focus them all into your Zillow testimonials by asking your past clients to make that testimonial on Zillow, you're able to accumulate, a, get a critical mass going so that people are starting to notice while they're searching around on Zillow. Right. And just to clarify, we didn't go to the past clients. We just went to clients moving forward. Now we're going, we're going to go back to past clients in the next month or two. But we just said moving forward, let's just make this part of our process. So when we close, we send them a link. We call them. Would you please do this? Thank you very much. And then we send a thank you note with the Starbucks card. And when we go on a listing appointment, I print them off because when you're picking a real estate agent, everyone can say the same thing. It's just whether you do the same thing and how you do it. Everyone says, not everyone, many agents say they're number one. You know, we, we do more than anybody else. And you can say whatever you want to say. So I think it's just a good strategy to maybe not say that, but produce documentation to say this is what this is how what people think of us when they work with us why don't you read this this could be helpful so it so you can accomplish both you can have a a written commentary about yourself but you can also have it online and we have some on Yelp and we have some on Google Plus just by people doing that but we've just tried to focus in one spot because it looks good it sounds like the majority of your clients are actually going in there and filling one out. Yeah, they are. I mean, this year they've been happy to do. They've been happy to do it. I think the the key is to make it easy by just sending a link they respond to rather than go on Zillow and register and 
and also just having a very small gift at the end. I've been surprised how effective it is. It's worked so well, you're doing more. Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I told them so. I said, thank you. I've done everything you told me to do, and it's working. <laughs> thank you. Edie, let's move to a different area of lead generation for you, and that is getting repeat and referral from your past clients and sphere of influence. I know that that's part of your business as well. What percentage of your business is coming from past clients and sphere of influence? I'd say about 30, 35% every year. How big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? We have a database of about 1,800 and it's clean. I mean, it's not, it's not superfluous. It's very clean. Who is in that database? If we were to break it out, for instance, how many do you think would be past clients? Well, we have right now about 600, 700 past clients. Are the rest then sphere of influence or does the 1800 also include general leads? It's becoming more populated with general leads just because we're getting more online leads. But at this point in time, it's folks that I believe we will be working with. I put them in our database or people that we would like to work with that we've met. We put them in our database. And then, of course, we're involved in different organizations in the community. And so many of those are in our database, too. If they've expressed an in, I don't put them all in there, but if they've expressed an interest in our business or have said, you know, I'm going to sell in four years, then I put them in our database. Where's the database being kept? Are you keeping it in a certain software program? And if so, which one? I started with ACT, and it's still in ACT. And I like it because it transports to different marketing entities very easily. However, it's also in our CRM, which is Follow-Up Boss. That was Follow-Up Boss? Yes. Why did you choose Follow-Up Boss? What do you like about it? First of all, it's easy to use. I do like that. And customer service is very nice. Thirdly, I acquired it initially, though, because our website, part of their program is to pick some of the better services they believe help us. And so one of them was follow-up boss. And I needed to have a CRM that is easy to work with and that we can start campaigns on, which we're working on. But I've not really been that sophisticated on that level, but that is one of my goals that I'm working in, working on presently is putting together various campaigns of thinking of selling, thinking of buying, thinking of investing, you know, just some of those kind of natural campaigns to real estate. We're getting a lot of Facebook leads that I'm putting back into our CRM so that they get followed up on. So I'm trying to cast a wider net. For your past clients, your sphere of influence, let's talk about your marketing campaign to them, how you're staying in front of them. What are you doing, let's say, on an annual basis? Could you kind of map out for us your annual marketing plan? Sure. They always get a postcard, including, because they may not be, they may not live in your Belinda, for example. So my marketing person does have my updated, every month we update our database to various entities who either email or mail to our database. They get the postcard. And then also I use a service called Altos that they're all on, which allows them to, it's a really nice report 
um, gives an updated marketing report of a snapshot of their market wherever they live. So they get that email every every month. And then on top of that, I'm not perfect at it, but I talk to our clients on the phone probably three times a year, just checking in. And then also we do a very nice Christmas letter my husband writes, and he's a very good writer. It's funny. It's not about our perfect family. <laughs> it's not one of those. And a card. And so we've done it, we've done it for 10 years, and, and folks love it. And then on, I follow them all on Facebook, and so that's been kind of nice because if I see someone had a baby, I can send them a card. If I see somebody, of course, birthdays, if I see they have an anniversary, I'm able to follow up quite a bit on, because of Facebook. So I look at it as my little, you know, congregation that I get to take care of, and I enjoy it. Let's walk through each of those. You first mentioned a postcard. Is that going out monthly? Yes. Tell us more about the postcard that's going out to the past clients, the sphere of influence. What type of information do you have on it? How big is it? What message do you want to get across? It's the same thing I do to, um, to the whole city. It's the EDDM postcard. So it just shows them that I'm still alive and that I'm doing business. So it's nothing more than that. I just make sure that our postcard that goes out to the city goes to our database as well. Okay, so if they live in the city, if your past client lives in the city, you're probably not sending the postcard since they're already getting it through your farming campaign? Correct. So they already get it so they know that, you know, I'm alive and well and doing well. And, you know, there has been this statistic running around that most agents don't keep up or never hear from their past real estate agent. And I've noticed that. It's like, well, where is your real estate agent now? I can't even, I don't even know who she is. Or I don't even know who he is. So that's what I'm trying to avoid. They always know who we are. And we, not on the whole database, but we catch up for coffee or catch up for lunch or um, we also do two client events a year. We do a, an event at the Yorba Linda Country Club every, well, we've done it for three years, and we're going to do it again. And then for the last 10 years or so, we've been sponsors for the Taste of Yorba Linda, where we invite our clients, and and they really enjoy that. And on top of that, all the uh, plates and the glasses that are used have our logo and our and my phone number on it. So if they're going home to get a cocktail, they have my glass. So that works well as well. Do you send out any other direct mail pieces to your past clients other than the postcard that goes out to the farm? Just the uh, holiday, the holiday piece that we do. For email, you're sending out Altos marketing report once a month, and that's going out through email. And that gives them a market evaluation on their own personal residence? Yes, their own area. Yes, it does. You said own area. So is it generic? And then if they choose to, they can get more detailed information? Correct. They can ask for a specific CMA. Or if sometimes they have a property completely out of the area, such, you know, like a investment property or a vacation property, and it kind of triggers, you know, that those emails trigger something else. You know, Edie, I have a house in Big Bear I need to sell it. Could you find an agent? Or, Edie, I want to buy something else. We need to talk. You know, so it kind of gives them that quick opportunity to respond. And also, you know, in terms of um, in our business, our marketing plan, 
our website does do a Facebook post to our database every month that, that we appreciate very much. And I assume that when one of your past clients gets the Altos email, if they take the next step to get more information about their own home or, say, an investment property they have, that you are notified that they're doing that? Oh, yes. I'm very happy to see that. Then you're able to follow up with them to help them. That's great. You also mentioned that you're you're doing your best to make three phone calls per year to your past clients. Do you have a schedule for those calls, or is that just more natural? It just happens when you think of them. No, I try to do five calls a day, which I do. And I also try to write five notes a day, which I don't always do, but I try. On those calls, what are you saying? What's the script on the call when you're, you're calling your past clients? I'm just checking in with them, and it's just a fun conversation. I generally know something that's been going on with them or talk about their kids or their dog or whatever. It's just a, I mean, I call them a howdy call. There's no agenda. It's just checking in with them to see how they're doing. That's it. And then I'm not 100% consistent on this, but I do try to write a thank you note for their time on the phone so they get two different communications in one. When you make your five calls and your five notes each day, it's really one person getting a call and a note, so you're able to knock out each with one thought, one, one person. Correct. During those calls or with the private note, do you ask for referrals or is it just that you're putting your name out there in front of them? Well, I don't do that, by the way, if you're looking to sell or buy, call me. I just don't. You know, I can kind of tell if there's something coming up and, you know, how's so-and-so's job or, you know, how's the house working for you? Well, it's getting a little too big. You know, the kids are gone and well, gee, you know, what would you do if you were to sell? Would you stay in the area? Would you look for anything different than you have now? You know, just try to be intelligent about it. So it triggers me to kind of be thoughtful if I see something that, if they say, you know, I'd love to have a single level over in such and such neighborhood. If something comes up, I'll send it over. You're taking a lot of notes during that conversation. You're putting them into, where do you put them into? Do you put them in the ACT or do you put them in the follow-up boss? Follow-up boss. So ACT is just basically just a mailing list of all of your, your past clients in Sphere. What's the difference between how you use ACT and how you use follow-up boss? Follow-up boss is new to me. One day I'll probably lose ACT, but I'm not yet. So it's a duplication of effort, efforts, but follow-up boss has a much bigger capacity. Act is just like a, like an online Rolodex, really. I've used it. I won't even tell you how long I've used it. A long time. <laughs> I'm not oh, yeah. going there with you. I'm not going there with you. Now you mentioned that you you will also use Facebook, and that that's been a great way for you to stay in touch with people. And you mentioned see if a baby's on the way, or a birthday, or an anniversary. And you also said you, you friended a lot of people. How many friends do you have in Facebook? You know, I don't know. A lot. I don't know. I'm supposed to know that. I don't know. So how often do you go into Facebook and try to stay in touch with these folks, these past clients in sphere of influence? Do you do it daily? Do you do it weekly? I'm on it 
two or three times a day. I'm becoming a bit of an addict. So I re- respond, or if I see something coming up, I'll comment on it. But I also have our website does a, a nice Facebook post every month. It can be seasonal. It can be about the market. It can be... It's, they're, they're very clever. I think they're very, very good. And then on top of that, we have a company that we work with. They're actually out of Utah that are great folks. And he helps me blog on our website. And he also posts our Facebooks for our open houses every week and does a wonderful job and boosts those. So we this last... Um, maybe 18 months, we're doing quite a lot of investment with time and energy and money in in Facebook advertising. You mentioned earlier that you've put together a team and that the core of the team are three partners. You all started together, you, your husband, John, and the partner, Jim. That's an odd number of people to get together in a group. How did that happen? How did you all come together? Well, why is that an odd number? Usually it's an individual. Oftentimes we'll hear a husband and wife. Sometimes we'll hear, say, a mother and daughter. But for three people, that that just sounds unique to me unless Jim were, say, your son. And so I'm just trying to understand how did that come together? Okay. Well, I started initially with me and an assistant because I'm incapable of doing a file. It's incapable. And so... You know, I always knew I was going to be successful, and so I started with an assistant when I really had no business. So that's that's how it started. Then I needed another person because I don't like doing property inspections, and I don't like doing termite inspections, and I'm not good at it. And I thought, I could hire somebody to do that, and my husband said, I'll do it. So that's how that started. And, uh, and then he stays enormously busy with maintaining our financing. He helps with all the the negotiation of repairs, coordinating all the staging, and just all the odds and ends that come up every day. So that's how that happened. And then I met Jim. He was a lender and just liked him so much. And, and I thought, you know, initially I thought, well, maybe a buyer's agent because I don't drive, I don't like to drive. But he's just so good with people that I just thought we should do we should do a corporation together. And the other thing is, if for example, if we by chance get to take a time, some time off, my husband and I, then we have a, a, a you know a full fledged full time real estate agent handling the business. And so it just made sense to me. And so again, I just said let's just do it. Put an S corp together and. Each of us own a third and make it happen. And I don't know who else I would do this with. I, I still haven't ran and have not come across anybody else that I would have done this with. So it was just it just the way it came together. How long has the S Corp been in existence? Eleven years. So it's working. Yeah, it's better than most marriages. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's great. Now, why did you choose to form an S Corp? Just getting some legal advice and tax advice. I think the first time I heard it was at a Tom Ferry meeting, and he said, if you don't have an S-Corp, you know, you're losing out or you're not making the right decision. And I thought, huh, and this is before I really had a team, so to speak. So I um, 
talked to the attorney that you know did the the incorporation for us, and I talked to the accountant that we work with, and he they felt that it was a good way to you know defer taxes, and and it's a great mechanism where we work for a company, so we get a paycheck, so we actually have not only income, but we also it forces us to have reserves because we don't cut checks based on what we make, we cut checks based on what our salary is. So my husband's very good with finances and conservative, so we have a really, really nice reserve set aside because of this. So the S Corp, it's an entity all in and of itself. It gives you some protection from liability. You picked S Corp over C Corp. Uh, C Corp, you could have double taxation. S Corp is only single taxation because all the, the profits flow to you. I'm trying to think of what other benefits there are. Let me ask a different question. Why did you pick an S Corp over, say, a, a limited liability company, an LLC? I don't remember, but there was a good reason 10 or 12 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, And I'm sure there's a good one. I'll have to find out. But, um, you know, and then over time, if we're building up a significant amount of uh, reserves, then my husband will give himself and Jim and I a dividend check. So, you know, that may be around the holidays or that may be during tax season or it could be because he just thinks we're doing really well. It's a formula that's worked very well because we have to stay within a very specific financial restraint, both personally and professionally. You're working with your husband, and a lot of people ask over the years, they're thinking about bringing in a spouse, they're thinking about working with their spouse, they're worried that's going to create conflict, they also think there's some good opportunity there. What kind of advice could you give somebody listening who's thinking about working with their spouse? They want to bring them into their real estate practice. What advice would you give them? Overall, I would say make sure that you have job descriptions that play to their strengths. Really, I don't see John that much. I mean, he's off doing, working for the same clients, but in different capacity. So I, I think just having, a, it's a real business. You know, if you, if you have an S-Corp and you have job descriptions and you have lines of responsibility, not that we can all fit, you know, fill in, I think that's an obvious because they have to have something to do that, that that's fulfilling and that that they feel that they're making a strong contribution toward. And I can say, I mean, John is is amazing what he does. And sometimes we get hired just because of his expertise. So and that's been kind of neat. And I think the other thing is, you know, ego. I mean, I'm kind of the leader of the team. So, I mean, it's not like things happen without the full support of John and Jim. It's not like that at all. But I think you have to have a good sense of self if it's the wife heading the team and the husband being, you know, more of a support. We all work for somebody. We all support somebody, but there is that. And then also, I really like being with my husband. I mean, I mean, I enjoy his company. So, you know, some marriages are not so much. So there has to be a realistic view of, of your relationship. And then keep in mind that if you're in business together, you're um, 100% committed to real estate. There's no, you know, you don't have a, a, a salary coming from someplace else. So, you know, just we're fine with it. It's worked out. And 
we've always felt the only people that can ever fire us is us, you know, by not doing our job. So people say, well, you know, it's so uncertain. Aren't you afraid? And it's like, no, you could get laid off tomorrow. I'm not. I just have to stay doing what I'm doing and and continue to, um, you know, stay current and relevant. So I won't get fired. Well, it sounds like how you made it work is that you were able to clearly define the roles up front. Let me ask a different question. When you're at the office, I know you're talking business. When you go home, do you continue to talk business or do you have any kind of policy or method that you use at home to limit the amount of business that flows into the house? Well, you have to talk some because you do have to catch up just like anybody would at work. You know, what happened to you? What happened to you? But they're kind of different. I mean, it's like for him, he'll say, well, I fixed that chimney problem. I got so-and-so out there to fix it and it's great. And when I can say, well, you know, we, you know, we've got a nice call from a client that wants to list, you know, so they're almost different jobs, but, you know, it's a normal thing that people talk about their day, but Really, we do have to be conscious of that we can't do that all the time. And so it's, you know, it just comes down to let's, let's, you know, redirect the conversation to our daughter or to, you know, where we want to go now, what kind of trip we want to do or how is church going or just so many other things that, you know, what are you reading? There's so many other things to talk about. It definitely has to be a conscientious effort, but we like what we do. So it's kind of fun sometimes to talk about what what's going on but not all the time of course that's not healthy are you profitable very profitable very profitable would you mind disclosing to us what your profit margin is well i asked my husband and he said after salaries were about 30 percent. so that's kind of a different way to look at it and i think part of it too is that we're very we're just efficient. We don't have a team of, I mean, we do the volume that sometimes teams of two or three more agents do. So we just do what we do. We do our deals the way we do them. You know, we, we do our deals to, with just the three of us. Sometimes the hours are long, but we keep the money. Are you the main salesperson on the team? Are you the one taking the listings and working with the buyers? I would say so. I mean, Jim, we, we all do a certain amount, but I would say that I am the driver of the leads and definitely close the majority of them. But then after that, I don't have to do a whole lot. As far as the organizational structure, you have a great support team. You go out and beat the bushes. You bring the business in. The support team helps you close it close it up. They help you get it from wherever it is, either listing or contract to closing. But you're the one out there spearheading it. I assume that you're taking all the listings, for example? Well, I always bring either John or Jim because I want the, the folks to have a feel for our culture. But yeah, I get, the, I get the call to list the house by far. And how about buyers? Are you working with the majority of the buyers? You, you mentioned you don't like driving, but are you taking them around? Well, my husband, John, John usually drives. I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so so is John driving and, and you're in the car and then the buyers are with you is that how it works oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so you go you kind of do a big tour it's like a big, a big tour, tour bus you're having a lot of fun I can, I can take them to two or three houses after that I really can't it stresses me out too much so I can't I can't do it I don't want I just not I'm not good at it I don't have any sense of direction and I I you know it's just embarrassing so 
it's just the way it is. John said when I told him I was going to become a real estate agent, he said, you can't drive. And I said, well. <laughs> and yet you figured out, out how to make it work, didn't you? You figured out how to make it work. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And we love working with buyers. It just seems that listings come more our way. But we love we love both sides. And it's interesting to see the inventory. And it's it's fun to figure out what's going to work and, you know, do the due diligence on that side as well. Edie, what drives you? Well, right now, that's a good question. When I first started in the business, I had 17 goals and big whys. Revisited those and they're all done. And so right now, what drives me is just becoming the person I always want to be, continuing to grow as a person and a professional, and staying relevant as a person as as you get older. And so now, I need to come up with some big whys. I'll be very frank with that. I don't have them because I've been blessed. I think what's driving me right now is possibly my, you know, my daughter, and she's going to be getting married one of these days, and that kind of is a big why, but I need to come up with some more big whys for myself, I'll be honest with you on that, but I did have some, I did have 17 10 years ago, and I got them, I got them done. What were the top three of those 17 goals that you wanted to achieve that you accomplished? Top three, one was to get my daughter through high school and through college and have have it paid for with no student debt. The other one was to establish a great basis for retirement, which we've done, or we can't. I'm not retiring yet by any means, but I see the basis that we've set is going to be very, very, very good. And the third was to be the number one listing agent near Belinda, and it, it happened. Why are you so successful? Well, I think I have, I think our team has the the right skill set. I mean, when people say they want to be a real estate agent, often the, the answer is, well, I love houses, you know, or I love people, or I like looking at houses. And I think that's really not it. We have, all of us have the skill set to be excellent real estate agents from salesmanship to implementation of systems to excellent property investigation skills to excellent negotiation skills. So we all, as a whole, have a very, very high skill set that's very hard to find. And I've mentioned the word consistency, but that is a big factor. It's not like we have a big quarter and disappear. We never, we work every day doing something. And also forward thinking in terms of what's next on the horizon. I mean, we seem to kind of figure that out and are ready ready to go when when the market shifts or the demographic shifts. But, you know, hard work. It's it's work. Edie, if you're going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them to work with an experienced agent for three years. Every other profession, a doctor has to go through residencies. A plumber has to go through residencies. I mean, every other profession. And I see that agents, they get a deal and, and it's so painful because, I mean, everything is new and none of, it, none of it's easy. And so they, they, they nurse that along and then go get another one. And if you really want to see, I mean, experience matters. And if you want to see a variety of opportunities and a variety of transactions and a variety of situations and learn, they should work on a team for three years. 
and they should start in the transactional side and move into, well, at the same time, working open houses. And also, I would tell them to take a sales class. Go to the Dale, I went to the Dale Carnegie sales course. You know, one of the things that I've talked to agents, it kind of, it's a bit surprising. I've heard people actually say to me, you know, if I get the client, I'm really good, but I just can't get the client. And I said, well, you're in sales. You need to learn to get the client. Well, they don't see themselves in sales. So some kind of professional sales class or two to know that you are actually selling. And selling is a process. And if you don't know the process, you're not going to sell. Work on a team and get some sales skills would be the two things. Edie, do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Well, I'd like to hear what other people say. I didn't know these existed, so I think I think they are. I'm sure they are. I mean, I know Linda Domus because she had a group of people that I didn't know that have been very valuable to me, giving me a perspective of how they do things, and also they're, in many cases, much more successful than I am, and that's so neat to see and as aspirational to be around. So... I think communication and sharing is is really important. I think it's a natural, successful people want to know more, right? We do. Well, Edie, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I would say that I personally feel very blessed to have decided to join this profession and grow in this profession. And I don't know where you can have the opportunities that we have in any other profession, we do have a certain amount of uh, autonomy. There's always a avenue to um, build a clientele. And I would say I wish that every agent worked really hard at being the best they can be and support each other as professionals. Well, Edie, you worked hard to be the best agent you can be. And it shows. You quickly built your practice by formulating a plan and taking action every day. You work hard and smart. You quickly leveraged yourself by hiring an assistant early to help you with paperwork and free up your time to sell. You brought together three core people, formed a partnership, and guaranteed long-term commitment. You funneled grief and loss in the action and success. You took a big risk with your massive direct mail campaign, and it's paying off with a 4-to-1 ROI. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to a family team who sold 130 homes last year worth $24 million by focusing on the basics. Find out who they are on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar 
entitled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.